When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and yeah, you read books all night long. This is episode number 320 and a half, and today I'm going to talk about a couple backlist titles that I'm excited to share with you. Hi, everyone. I was recently asked to join an Octavia Butler book club my friend is starting. I have not been a part of many book clubs before, and I have not read a lot of Octavia Butler, though I really, really want to read more of her work. This sounded like a good way for me to do just that. The first book we read was Fledgling, Butler's Vampire Story. It is intense. I might talk about it in a future episode of this show. We'll see. We had our book club meeting last week, and I loved it. Like, I don't know how I was expecting to feel about a book club because most of my memories discussing books in this way are from undergrad or high school, which I really didn't like because I was mostly uninterested in the books that were assigned. And I did try a book club once, and the book we read was not my jam, to put it nicely. But a book club where I have actual buy-in on the book that we are reading and I like the people in the group, and I'm happy to spend time with them, magical. Look at me. Did something outside of my comfort zone and loved it. Anyway, before I get to my backlist book picks, let's hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For my first pick, I have Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. 
Full disclosure, I still have not read the previous related book, Get a Life, Chloe Brown, nor have I yet read the third one that came out this year, Act Your Age, Eve Brown. But this one, the middle one, Take a Hint, Danny Brown, is totally great as a standalone. Quick content warning for descriptions of anxiety and panic attacks. As I've mentioned before, I only really started reading romance within the past couple years, so when I read this book last year, I think this was actually the one that made me be like, all right, I'm into it. It made me cast aside all of my internalized heteropatriarchal assumptions and totally unnecessary disdain for the genre. And yeah, I think this book is what finally made me open to reading a lot more romance. I absolutely adored this book. Yes, the romance is lovely and the sex is super sexy. I feel like I should have a steaminess scale for the romance I read if I keep talking about it on this show. It gets a good 8 out of 10 for steamy, maybe a 7 out of 10 for spicy. These are clearly very scientific terms, I'm sure. What I did not expect was how outrageously funny this book was. The primary romance trope in this book is fake dating and... You know, I had never tagged myself as a fake dating girl, but it is just so good. I'm usually more of an enemies to lovers situation, but honestly, now, a year later, I'm like, give them all to me. Give me all the tropes. Well, almost all of them. Anyway, one of our protagonists, Danny Brown, is a PhD candidate who doesn't seem to suffer any fools. She has super short, hot pink hair and just broke up with her girlfriend who teaches in the same department. The ex-girlfriend did that thing that Danny avoids at all costs, which is to catch feelings. The other protagonist, Zafir Ansari, is the very fit security guard who works in the same building that Danny teaches in. Unbeknownst to Danny, Zafir is a former rugby player, and he began a nonprofit teaching kids both rugby and how to talk about their feelings because Zafir has pretty serious anxiety and panic attacks. Also, Zafir is an absolutely hopeless romantic and he reads all the romance novels. In the prologue, Danny prays to the goddess Ocean for a no-strings-attached sex buddy. Emphasis on no-strings-attached. The two of them, Danny and Zafir, flirt daily. Danny brings him coffee on her way from the cafe to her office each morning. Zaf brings Danny a protein bar every morning because he knows she works a lot and never makes time to eat properly. So, Danny teaches her first class of the day, and after class, she has a really awkward interaction with her ex and then gets in the elevator, which freezes to a stop when she is in it because there is a fire drill she didn't know about. Meanwhile, Zafir is in his element, making sure everyone is out of the building. He's been planning this fire drill forever. He's checking off his boxes and everyone is outside, except he notices Danny Brown. She never made it outside. Zaf goes in, hears her yelling from the elevator, pries open the doors and carries her out firefighter style. The lust between them is palpable, even to the dozens of students who are now taking photos of them. Zaf and Danny end up trending on social media. It actually gets a bunch of donations for his nonprofit. So they agree to fake date for a month, you know, for marketing purposes. Remember, Zafir is the personification of feelings. He is 100% feelings. Danny is 100% anti-feelings. The tension is so real. 
If you need something lovely and hilarious and sexy, I highly recommend Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. For my second pick today, I have Disability Visibility, first-person stories from the 21st century, edited by Alice Wong. There are many books I have read that I have enjoyed. There are many books that I have read and thought, I really appreciate this book and most people should read it. There are a few books, though, that I feel have truly changed me. Disability Visibility is one of these books. This is an essay collection from a wide range of disabled folks. About one in five people in the United States is disabled. That is a huge amount of people, which makes the disregard, lack of representation, lack of access, and more, all the more egregious. I have both a paperback copy and I listen to it on audiobook. I want to note that the audiobook version lacks two of the essays. Unspeakable Conversations by Harriet McBride Johnson, and Love Means Never Having to Say Anything by Jameson Hill. The essays in this book are a wide range of experiences, which makes sense because the disabled community is a wide range of people. There are essays that are heartbreaking, uplifting, anger-inducing, and joyful, sometimes all in a single essay. So many of the essays lay bare the layers of oppression at the intersections of identities, and they can be very, very heavy. I had to take several breaks while reading this book because some of the essays just filled me with massive amounts of rage. The essay titled The Erasure of Indigenous People in Chronic Illness by Jen Deerenwater, and the essay titled The Isolation of Being Deaf in Prison by Jeremy Woody, as told to Christy Thompson, came to mind. One of the essays that blew my mind was by Sky Kubakub, the non-binary, queer, and disabled Filipinx creator of Rebirth Garments, which, from the website, are fully customizable, gender non-conforming wearables and accessories centering non-binary, trans, disabled, and mad queers of all sizes and ages. The bit that just absolutely floored me was when they wrote about accessibility during a fashion show. Fashion shows often have loud music and are very fast-paced, and it can be difficult for a person to offer live descriptions of what is going on on stage. So they collaborated with a musician to integrate the descriptions of the fashion into the lyrics of the music that they were writing for the show. Like, what? That's amazing! That's so freaking rad! This stuck in my mind so much that when I recently recorded a presentation via Zoom, I made sure to describe the images I used in my PowerPoint. I don't know how many of you have jobs that are heavy on PowerPoint usage, but if you do, think about how many presentations that are image heavy, yet people don't give a description of what is going on in the image. It has become something I notice all the time now. I read this book months ago and my head is still spinning. If you are a person that is reading all kinds of social justice books, all kinds of books on anti-blackness and books on homophobia and books on intersectional feminism and so forth, you absolutely must read this book as well. Even if you're not reading all those books, if you are an adult human or even a young adult, you got to read this book. There are content warnings at the beginning of each essay that warrants them and there is a range infanticide, genocide, institutionalization, abuse, and more. Too many to name here, but they're available in the book. This was Disability Visibility, first-person stories from the 21st century, edited by Alice Wong. That's it for me this week, book lovers. Thank you so much to our sponsor. 
A special thank you to my totally awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com, and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com backslash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com backslash all the books. Remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist, and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers find us. If you want to talk about books or nerdy stuff or musicals or check in on my shenanigans, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Infofile, as in the lover of information, spelled T-H-E-I-N-F-O-P-H-I-L-E. In the meantime, have a safe weekend, drink some water, and happy reading.